Everybody, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed. This week we're covering the original movie Shirley, currently streaming on Hulu. Sean, welcome back to the podcast, my friend. Thanks for inviting <laughs> me back. I actually uh, didn't get this on Hulu. I got it on Amazon. You, really? It's able to rent it, okay. yeah. Because uh, I, I haven't had Hulu for a bit. Oh, And so okay. I was like, well... Do I need? Do I want to do the free trial? Like sign up with a new email address, kind of thing, or which you, you shouldn't do. That's wrong. It's completely wrong. No, no, we don't. We don't encourage <laughs> that here. But please go on. <laughs> but uh, but I was like, well, you know, I mean, I've got Disney Plus, and I can do something with that. But I was like, well, let me check Amazon, and Amazon had it for like two ninety nine to rent, and I think you could buy it for fifteen bucks. Which, oh man, this movie, I wish I would have bought. I would have watched this <laughs> over and over. <laughs> funny you're never you're never gonna come back ever again <laughs> once because you're gonna be like what are you gonna have me watch um, well oh, we'll get into it i mean this movie started out good like i was like oh my gosh this movie might be kind of interesting yeah um i'll never look at trains the same way yeah oh yeah for sure for sure <laughs> well i was really pleased um you know whenever i i saw this trailer and thought man this seems appropriate um you know we covered haunting of hill house um on netflix when it was out and i thought you know how cool would it be for us to cover um you know this movie that's kind of based on a, a time in shirley jackson who's the author of haunting of hill house um if, if you and i cover that and and you um surprised me greatly by saying yes because i know that you're really busy so it was certainly a pleasure to have you on regardless of what we're talking about it's good just to be talking with you again so um it's been a while since you've been on um what have you been up to lately well uh i've got a four-year-old that takes up a lot of time <laughs> yeah um, he's grown up quick we've uh, we've been doing t-ball um Aww. and just kind of hanging out and playing it's been a it's been a fun uh, couple months been a little bit uh, hectic still with everything going on, of course, but, mm -hmm. um, it's been fun, you know, getting to be with him, um, finding more time to spend with the wife and whatnot. I miss coming on the show weekly. Uh, but it's definitely, uh, there's definitely just been plenty of things to fill the time for sure. Yeah. No kidding. Well, that's great. Um, yeah, it's definitely a great time to be spending some time with the family and I'm, I'm glad that you've, you know, had the time away from the podcast to be able to do that. Cause that was why you decided to take a step back was to spend more time with the family. And of course that was before everything had happened. So, yeah. you know, I think that that that's probably just really helped even more is having that extra time. Um, well, I was to worried to tonight. Family. I was worried tonight. Cause what really kind of like, you know, it, it just what the stressful of it was, I think I mentioned this last time was, you know, it would be my night to put my son to bed mm -hmm. and he would just not go to bed. It'd be like <laughs> 930 and I'd be like, Rima, we got to push this. I'm sorry. <laughs> but my wife's helping out a friend uh, this week. So I have to put him to bed this week. And I didn't really put two and two together about, you know, doing the show and everything. Cause you just kind of, you know, you forget what's going on. And, oh yeah. Um, it's like, well, you know, could you put him to bed Monday? And she's like, well, I got to go do this thing. I got to help out with you. are like, Oh crap. Yeah. And so I'm laying in bed with him. I'm like, if, he like doesn't sleep for an hour and a half and I have to text Rima, Hey, can we push this? She's <laughs> never going to invite me on the show again. 
<laughs> not true at all. Not true at all. We that's what you and I were always really good at was just kind of rolling rolling with it. You know, if something came up and and you had your responsibilities, that was perfectly fine. That's what we did. Yeah, it's uh, he's been doing pretty well. Uh, we still kind of have to go in to coax him to sleep, but um, hey, he's a uh, he's got an overactive imagination. I imagine Scooby Doo has a lot to do with it. Mm. Um, kiddo loves Scooby Doo. Uh, if you haven't seen the new Scoob movie, yeah, highly recommended. Really? Okay. Uh, yeah, I've seen it eighty-seven times, and it's still good. Mm. I'm glad to, glad to know it holds up. <laughs> I remember those days. Boy, do I remember those days of having a three and four year old that had to watch the same movie like two or three times yeah. a day. Yeah, we set up that was going to be his first like actual theater movie. Mm-hmm. But uh, since we couldn't do that, we went ahead and created like a theater experience at the house. Oh, cool. so like we drew up tickets. We had like popcorn and like he had to go through a checkout line with somebody looking at his ticket and everything. And so we watched the movie. It finishes. And immediately after he's like. I want to watch it again. It's like, all right, well, you know, it's only 8.30. Let's start it up again. Oh, man. And that was, that's the cool thing, at least about the movies. If, you you know, you take your little one to the movies and, you know, you have to leave. You can't stay and, and sit yeah. and watch it again. You have to leave. So you kind of get a little bit of a break there. But when you're at home, not that lucky. Yeah. Well, and it's nice, too, because they're, they're doing like, a, you know, with these releases at home, mm-hmm. it was like 20 bucks to rent, which I don't know why you would just rent it if it's 25 to own. Yeah, no and kidding. It's I mean, it's paid for itself. Like, you know, some Saturday mornings he's like, I want to get up. And it's like 630. You're like, no, let's watch Scooby Doo play. Yes. Get an extra like 30, 45 minutes snooze mm-hmm. time. Heck, That's yeah. Right. You're playing it smart, my friend. Playing it smart. But, When's uh so when was the last time I was on? Was it in January or was it It was in January and then um we had you on for just a bit uh for the fi- or whenever Jason and I recorded the finale for Lock and Key. Um, That's right. You know, we we chatted for like 10 15 minutes. Um but for a full podcast episode it's been a while. Yeah. Um, well, I guess if it was the end of January, so right at six months, I mean, uh, this year's flying by. It is flying by. It doesn't feel that long at all. God, has it really been that long? Crap. Why don't we talk about the movie a little bit? I'd love to get, because I, I feel like you've got some opinions on this movie. I've got a few. Yeah. So overall, just overall thoughts. We don't have to get too deep, but overall, what were your thoughts on this movie? Um, so... Overall, this was, I was trying to think like, uh, you know, this whole time I'm watching the movie, mm-hmm. I'm expecting some kind of like weird, like, you know, into it that made you kind of think like, oh my gosh, like, okay, it was all a dream or it was all like in her mind or mm-hmm. some kind of like weird connect the dot thing. You know, like you think of like Saw or uh, what's the Stephen King movie with uh, Johnny Depp about the the garden? I meant Secret Garden. Up. Secret Garden, Love yeah, like one. something like that, yeah. where it's kind of like, oh my God, like this is what was happening the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like we got that, um, but it, it really had, like, it didn't fall like your traditional three act structure. It was very kind of chaotic and very kind of all over the place. It felt like a very indie film to me. Yeah, um, definitely was an indie film. Yeah. There, there was a, a movie I recently watched. So there's this band in Scotland called Biffy Claro that I absolutely love. And they did the whole soundtrack for this movie called Balance Not Symmetry. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I have to see this movie. And so when I watched it with my wife, like 15, 20 minutes in, she's like, this is the worst movie ever. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, it is. It's all over the place. But the soundtrack is amazing. <laughs> 
So let's keep watching for the music. <laughs> but there, there's something, I mean, it's, it's kind of, uh, whenever I see things like this, it reminds me of just like, like an artistic, you know, piece that you would go in and you look at and you're like, you know what, this isn't for me, but I still appreciate what was attempted here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only thing that kind of like maybe pulls me back a little bit on this specific movie is I worry sometimes that people try to like outthink the room kind of thing. Yeah. Like where they try to like put in like, oh, there's a meaning for this. There's a meaning for this. Oh, it's actually, uh, you know, uh, it's a, you know, expose on this type of thing, Um, which isn't bad. Like, I mean, I think I like if anybody could look at this and come over with, you know, 30 different meanings to it. Like, I think that's good art when that happens. Uh, And I think this movie specifically, you could come away with 30 different interpretations for sure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I had I had some thoughts too after watching. It wasn't quite what I expected. I think the first time when I saw the trailer, because I believe I, I saw it when it was at Sundance, because um, it did really well at Sundance. I think it might have, and and I don't have this written down, and I probably should have. Um, I think it might have gotten some awards, or it did really well, is what I kept reading. Um, so I remember seeing the trailer for it then. It was like a, a quick teaser trailer, um, and it it. I thought it was going to be more of a horror kind of thing or, and, and I thought the way it looked, I thought, Oh, I, I think I was under the impression. And I guess what I was kind of expecting, and this is totally my fault. This wasn't anything that they put out there and misled me or anything, but I think it was totally my fault and my assumption that I didn't understand what it was about. But I thought that it was um, going to be something of how she was inspired for haunting of Hill house. Um, and I thought, Oh, that would be perfect. Cause you know, we, you and I just absolutely loved Haunting of Hill House when we covered it. And, and it is a fantastic, you know, series on Netflix for anyone who hasn't seen it. I highly recommend it. Um, definitely go back and watch that. Um, but I thought it was going to, you know, that something in her life, and I don't know what her inspiration was or where, what she drew from to, to write that. Um, but I thought, oh, maybe this is going to be something about how she was inspired or something, maybe something in her life inspired uh, that story. So I thought that would be kind of perfect. And then um, watching it was clearly not that. <laughs> no. So. Well, and the synopsis tells you that it's like, you know, Shirley has a young couple live with him that inspires her to write this story. Mm-hmm. So and that's kind of what I was expecting the whole time is one hidden ghost, which we right. didn't get. No. Nope. Two. <laughs> You know, like her writing the specific book, Haunting a Hill House, because it seemed like this was kind of piggybacking off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it was based off a book that I don't know when the book was written, but I would imagine that this film and stuff was kind of created in, you know, based off of the Haunting a Hill House on Netflix success, I would think. Don't quote me on that. I don't 100 percent sure. It's just yeah. kind of guessing. Um, but you had mentioned awards. So like the Sundance Film Festival, it was the winner uh, so it was a U.S. Dramatic Special Jury Award for a tour filmmaking. Okay. And then it was nominated the Grand Jury Prize in the Dramatic uh, category. So it was a winner for a tour, not amateur, a tour filmmaking. Interesting. Does a tour mean something specific? You know. Or does it just mean amateur? Yeah. Is I'd, it a fancy I'd have to, word for amateur? Yeah, I'm going to have to just uh, take a bow on that one. I don't. I don't know. I'd have to look it up. I haven't oh, I haven't a, been a, paying attention to my word of the day from dictionary. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's a filmmaker whose personal influence and artistic control over a movie are so great that the filmmaker is regarded as the author of the movie, not uh, the director, the author of uh, the movie. Okay, interesting. That is the most like filmmaking award <laughs> I could think of. Very much so. You are right. 
and and so so yeah, I, I I feel like I I I see where you're coming from, and but you know I I still tried to find because you know me, I'm always gonna try to find um, a positive spin on something. So I'm I'm like, okay, we're we're gonna cover this. I don't want to be completely negative about it, so I'm gonna try and focus on some positive stuff. And just for our listeners, I know that um, when you typically listen to us on Strange Indeed, we're usually doing like a top five. Um, we and and you guys know if I when you've listened to um, some of the other movies that we've covered, um, especially more recently, I've kind of focused on doing just more of a discussion, just having a discussion about the movie. We're just going to talk about it. Um, We'll probably have some notes and things like that that we'll talk about, but we're not going to do a a specific top five. Um, So just for everyone, um, you know, kind of keeping track. So um, I thought the acting was really good. I mean, Elizabeth Moss, I mean, Handmaid's Tale. We've talked about it, you know, on this show, we've talked about it on other podcasts. Um, Elizabeth Moss does such a, a great job in that. And I've seen her in, in other things and she's really great. Have you by chance seen her in The Invisible Man? No, uh, I do want to see that though. I've heard so many good things about that movie. I would recommend it. So these, both of these movies kind of came out I feel like around kind of like the same time and, and they're very different, but her performances in both are great. And of course in Handmaid's Tale as well, she's, she's fantastic. And I thought she did a really great job, um, in this as well. Um, I'm not as familiar with the other actors. Uh, she was really the only one that I knew in this, but I, I was, um, I was reading though, I believe Victoria Pedretti was in this as well. I think she played a really small role and I cannot remember what her character name was. Um, I don't actually remember seeing her very well, My I think this, my screen was kind of dark. I don't know if, if I have my settings off on my TV, I was having trouble seeing some scenes and you know, the, the way that it was filmed, it was kind of in like this hazy, yeah. kind of light did you get that or it was kind of yeah you know... it definitely came across that way victoria yeah. pedretti played a girl named Catherine, which i don't remember seeing her either yeah and she played nell in haunting of hill house so thought that was <laughs> so we've got the <laughs> well i think that's pedretti. what made us tie this to being like oh my gosh this is going to be like a how did the haunting of hill house come to be right yeah that's that's kind of yeah like i said i thought that's kind of where this movie was going to go. And I thought, oh, that would be just absolutely perfect for us to cover. And of course, I didn't realize until we'd already said that we would cover it. And then um, once we watched it, which I still think it's worth covering, I still think it was really interesting and um, kind of interesting to kind of see a little peek um, into. uh, And it's not even it's it's not even a true life because this this is a fictional piece. So just for for folks that maybe that don't know, this was um, kind of like a fictional time in her life there were some things that were true from my understanding so she was um for a time she did have some depression that she suffered from and she was also agoraphobic for a a short time and we see that in this film although my understanding is is that um they kind of took some creative license with the timing of that so the time period in the movie is not exactly the same time that she was um, suffering from, de- you know, depression and, and her agoraphobia. Um, and I, I believe that was a little earlier and she had recovered from that. So we didn't get to see that. Um, and the, the novel that she was or the novella that she was working on was actually something that she'd worked on in a different period of her life. So that was a real thing. The, the, the book that she was working on, the story that it's based on, that part was real. Um, but um, the, the people, Rose um, and her husband, um, 
were fictional. Stanley, her husband, he's real. Um, so just to give you know a little little basis from that. Yeah, I always there, there's part of me that enjoys kind of these fictional movies like this, but mm-hmm. there's also a part of me that uh, kind of hates it to an extent too because. You know, like me, I you know I know very little of Shirley Jackson, so this is really my first exposure mm-hmm. to her. And you come away with like almost uh, you know biases on your opinions of her because this is really like this is who she is to you, your first impression, right? And then you go through and look at it's like, well, yeah, I mean, like you know, she was you know kind of interesting and yeah she did she did have depression she'd have agoraphobia and she had like you know all these other things that happened but it wasn't in this specific sense so it's like you know it could have been worse it could have been better but you don't really know and sometimes i feel like that kind of doesn't do justice for the person when they do it that way mm-hmm. yeah um from what what i was reading earlier it sounds like you know her character the way that she was written in this movie and it's it's not necessarily how elizabeth moss plays her because that's how the character is written for this story but how she's written in the story is not necessarily true to how she was um i i guess she had four children which we don't see in this oh, film yeah. yeah and and it i i read that she also enjoyed being a mom and we don't see that part of her um in this at all so it's just an interesting take that you have to, um, you know, understand going in that this is a work of fiction and it's not necessarily a true, you know, not everything is true, um, you know, about Shirley Jackson and, and who she was um, in this film. They they take true pieces, like I said, the, the novel, her husband was real and, um, you know, his his career um, and I guess they did move from, you know, town to town during a, a period of like 10 years or more um, where he was a professor. And, you know, they did settle in this particular town in Vermont. And so there are some pieces that are that are real. But I think people just need need to know that kind of going in. So, like you said, if this is your first exposure to anything about Shirley Jackson, you know, it might kind of, you know, um, set, set yourself up for some bias there. Yeah. Just a little interesting stuff about the real Shirley Jackson well, what's real on Wikipedia anyway. Um, she passed away when she was only 48. Yeah, in her sleep. Uh, yeah, because I guess she had uh, some battles with, I mean, she smoked quite a bit, it sounds like, and she had some issues with uh, weight mm. that kind of caused her to have a heart condition. But uh, she is a influence on uh, one of my favorite authors, uh, Richard Matheson. Ah, oh, yeah. Who's a famous horror writer of I Am Legend, Stir of Echoes, a bunch of uh, great, great films. Yes. Did you say Stir of Echoes? Yep, that was his. Nice. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. I the one realize. with Robert Williams where he goes mm-hmm. through hell. or goes, I think he goes through heaven. Hell or heaven to find his dead wife. That was his too. And what Dreams May Come, I think is the name oh, of it. Oh, yes. The Robin Williams film. Yeah. Yeah, it's very like he's very much kind of like, I, I think Richard Matheson is an influence on Stephen King as well. And you definitely see some of that come over on that. That makes perfect sense. Um well, I, I thought watching this, it was an interesting dynamic between Stanley, her husband. Um, he he was, I thought, a very just interesting relationship between those two where he is on one side her biggest supporter, but also her greatest tormentor. And, 
you know, he would cheer her on and he would promote and tell her how great she was with, with her work and how great, you know, her writing was. But he was also screwing around on her with her full knowledge, um, but not quite her approval. So it, it was just really interesting to see this psychodrama you know, between them and how Rose and her husband, Fred, um, were kind of drawn into this. Um, you know, you think that it's all innocent because they're, they're being asked to, you know, or being brought in because they're moving to this, um, town and they're, they don't yet have a place to stay. So they're being welcomed into this home, you know, as a fellow professor, he's going to be helping out Stanley in his class. And so he's like, Hey, come stay with us for about a week or so until you're able to find your own place. Sounds pretty innocent. And then they get drawn in where Stanley ends up asking Rose to help with the housework and help keep an eye on her because she hasn't left the house in like two months. Um, which I, I thought, man, for this time period, you know, that's kind of where it was for women. Women didn't have a lot of choices and that's kind of where they, you know, asked to stay at home and take care of things. And um, so I, I thought it was, you know, I I thought a, a, an interesting dynamic to kind of see that relationship between Shirley and Stanley and how cutting she could be, um, not just to her husband, but to other people. She really seemed to enjoy really using her words um, on people and for people who seemed to enjoy her work, she really enjoyed cutting them down. <laughs> You know, when everybody's kind of fawning over her and Rose runs up the stairs and, you know, she's just gushing over her book that she just read. And she, she like, Shirley's just like not bothered by it at all. She's just like completely dismissive. So I, I'm curious to see or, or kind of hear what you think about some of that. Well, it's interesting when you see them come in because, you know, Rose and Fred kind of seem like very, uh, I mean, I don't know if in love is the right thing to say, but they at least seemed like they were like, obviously she was pregnant and they were, you know, together together. And I think they were engaged because that's the other thing that's really weird with this movie is there were so many parts where I couldn't quite grasp the exact situation. Mm -hmm. So they show up and she's pregnant and I'm like, oh, okay, well I guess they're married, but then it's like, no, it's going to be a shotgun wedding, but they are getting married. And then I thought both of them were going to school, but no, it was only, Rose that was going to go to school, but then she had to give it up to stay home with Shirley, which, you know, again, seems very kind of unfair to her. Mm -hmm. And what, like you just said, like you really start seeing that Rose and Fred's relationship starts mimicking Shirley and Stanley's, mm -hmm. you know, like she, Rose is stuck at home. Fred's out messing around at the Shakespeare club, which apparently isn't a real thing. Um, you know, and then it, it was, I don't really know what if I could put a, a anything on it specifically, but yeah, it just seems like they, you know, they enjoyed the chaoticness, and so they're like, hey, let's bring a couple in that's you know almost like we were when we started, and let's just fuck them up, <laughs> like let's yeah. just mess them up just like we are. Yes, yeah, that's kind of like what we kind of see happen here. It's you know, they kind of get this weird enjoyment out of tormenting this this young couple and you know stanley 
kind of acts like he's above it all, but he, I think, enjoys all of the chaos around him and he doesn't pay any social price for it. But, you know, he's considered, um, you know, kind of bohemian and Shirley's more like the mad woman, you know, locked up in the house or something. And so it's, yeah. And then this young couple gets kind of infected by their relationship and, you were talking about earlier about the train <laughs> train incident when we first meet um, Rose and her husband, Fred. You know, they, they have this little uh, moment um, in one of the train cars. And it was kind of interesting. You know, she, she had this really strange effect uh, or reading this book had a strange effect on her. She was she was reading the lottery when they were on the train. And it was, I think, considering the, the subject matter was kind of horrific Um you know, considering what that was about, because I guess the, the, and I haven't read the lottery, but just quickly, you know, getting a, a, a little summary of it, you know, it's kind of like a, not quite dystopian, but it's something about a town of where they choose one person in the, in the town to stone to death. It's like some sort of like ritual, um, that takes place. And oh, it's like a mini purge. Yeah. It's very, yeah. It's just very, um, it's just very interesting. So, and that's a very basic summary. I'm not saying that's the whole, whole thing of it. I su- would suggest folks go read it for themselves. Um, but considering the subject matter, um, that a few minutes later after she's read that she's having sex with her husband in the in the train car. Yeah. She, I mean, she was aggressive about it too. It wasn't kind she, of like a, let's do this. She was like, Hey, guess what? I'm going to grab this thing. We're finding a private place and exactly taking out our privates. <laughs> so yeah, something was happening. So, and then, <laughs> and then afterwards when she's kind of observing herself in the mirror, I thought that was an interesting scene as well. I wasn't quite sure what they were doing with that, but she's, she's kind of observing herself and, you know, I don't think she looks any different. Um, but, you know, it seems like she feels like there's some sort of change that is coming over us. And and I wasn't quite sure what to think about it, but I feel like it kind of was a little bit of a foreshadowing of events that throughout the movie was, was going to take place in this change that happens to her because the woman that we meet at the beginning of the film is not the same woman at the end of the film. You know, she's very different. There are two very different women appearing in different mirrors just as she saw herself in the beginning. Cause I think it was one of those where there was a mirror on each side of her, you yeah, know how the yeah. mirror kept reflecting itself. Um, I feel like that's kind of what happened throughout this movie is, you know, she's seeing a reflection of two very different women. Um, and that's kind of where, where we ended up. Almost like a public facing side and the private side kind of thing. Maybe that's what it's trying to represent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, there was also just an interesting take because this Rose was very fascinated with Shirley, even though Shirley was rude to her. She made, you know, very cutting remarks in regards to Rose, um, Fred and Rose's marriage. You know, there was still this fascination that, that Rose had with her. And I can't imagine what it would be like to be in the house of someone, you know, like an author that you admire. Um, and then so disappointing to find out, how rude or how much of an asshole that they are. Um, and you know, and what, what do you think caused that? I mean, to me, like the, the initial impression I got is, you know, she knows that her husband Stanley is a guy who, you know, basically goes around and, and sleeps with his students. Mm -hmm. Here's a girl that is of that age living under their roof. You know, was that a play to kind of like say Stanley, this girl's off limits to you, or do you think it had anything to do with Stanley at all? Was just her being, 
rude, like you said, or like did I, I could I couldn't quite figure out what that meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think I think that second part of what you said was was kind of true. Um but it was, you know, interesting that he Stanley was able to bind them so easily to to the house because it's like they didn't have anywhere else to go. Yeah. And, you know, Fred seemed fine with the arrangement because I guess it felt like he didn't really have to deal with it that much. He was out doing his professor thing. He's hoping Stanley like helps him with his career or something, I think, and was kind of using using them for that um, and was perfectly fine leaving his wife at home. And it sounds like his, you know, like Rose wasn't able to leave very often because she had to stay and, and keep an eye on Shirley. You know, according to Stanley, you know, she's kind of unstable and she's depressed and he doesn't want her left alone. So when, you know, when Shirley asks her to go on an errand for her and she's like, well, I'm not really supposed to be leaving you alone. You know, here she is. She's stuck in this house. She's doing the cooking. She's doing the cleaning. She's taking care of Shirley, who doesn't seem to even want her there. You know, she makes no, um, you know, she doesn't attempt to hide at all that she doesn't want her there. Um but through throughout this process where there's like this slow shift where Rose almost seems to kind of get through Shirley a little bit, or at least she thinks that she does. Um, and she kind of starts to kind of understand how a writer works and becomes a part of the process a little bit, but it, it gets really dark really quick. And when we learn that you know Shirley's writing about this girl named Paula who has was at the college and has recently disappeared. Um, she's almost Rose. I mean, is almost kind of becoming her. Did you kind of get that? Yeah, they definitely uh, uh, mimic that quite a bit. Like there was mm -hmm. coloring where I think when she was kind of in like the Paula persona, she was wearing all red. Mm -hmm. And that's what I mean. You talk about like the writer's process, and you know it's it's. It's interesting to see that happening right here because it's, you know, it's somebody who like all hours of the day just lived a really weird, chaotic life. You yeah. know, like I'm not going to bathe for three weeks while I try to write you know, <laughs> 10 pages. <laughs> and, you know, if you see if you start diving, it's like, you know, what I want to try to write this story about this missing girl in my town. Like, that's kind of weird. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's not that's I, I, I don't think that's normal. Like you say, is that is that just an art, artiste being an artiste and a tour being an auteur? <laughs> right. <laughs> my new word of the day. <laughs> <laughs> now I need but I mean, like you think today, you know, this podcast so I can remember it. If the first thing that we get on here is like, oh, yeah, I'm writing a story about this missing college girl. I'd be like, Rima, like, are you OK? Like, do you like. Have you been getting out of the house or, you know, is everything you know, just is everything OK? That's all I need yeah. to know. Yeah. Maybe I have been stuck in the house for too long. But I, maybe I do need to get out more because I'm probably very close to doing something just like that. I'm getting a little dark and, and twisty, um, stuck stuck here and not getting out enough. Yeah, so it's it's definitely a dark path. Shirley definitely has this, this process in the movie um, as far as her routine and what she does creatively to write her stories. Um, and... Rose, which I, I feel like I can kind of relate to her in this way where, I mean, I can imagine being, you know, living in the house of one of my, like, gosh, if I was invited to like stay with like Stephen King for a week, you know, um, what that would look like. And, and, you know, the, uh, the allure of, 
an authority figure who's uber talented and really smart and clever and i can imagine just like whatever he you know hey rima go fetch me a glass of water well i'm gonna go get him a glass of water you know and it's very much just you know she that's what rose does is she just does whatever's asked of her throughout this and um and they kind of when when she's doing all of this for for shirley it really kind of mirrors what paula the the girl that went missing uh when her and Shirley talk about that is, you know, this girl just does kind of whatever is asked of her. Someone asked her to go to the, to that trail and she went and, you know, sometimes you don't always understand how someone could have that much control over, over you, but that's kind of what Rose kind of comes, becomes for Shirley. She becomes this puppet, I I think for her. Yeah. It's always, there's a, the, the girl with the dragon tattoo, I think, think it was the American version of it. I think I've mentioned on this show before, but there's a scene, spoilers, uh, <laughs> where the main character is basically asked inside of the person that he suspects to be the murderer. And he gets inside and ends up getting trapped. And he's like, you came in here knowing full well that I was the person that you th- thought was the murderer, mm-hmm. but you were more scared to offend me than to not come in, than to basically not come in. And I always think about that in kind of society with this is like, you know, she's so worried about offending, you know, Shirley that she's going to go along with whatever she asks. Yeah. You know, and that's like you mentioned, if you're with a celebrity, you're like, well, I don't want to offend this person. Obviously, they know what they're talking about. So you go along with whatever they say, even if it's, you know, like in this case, like I feel like Rose was probably in a situation where she was kind of having, you know, some sort of, you know, depression as well or, you know. I mean, obviously, at this time frame, she's trying to get to college, which isn't something that women got to do. Uh, and now she's pregnant. So it's like, OK, well, am I just going to be forced to be a housewife kind of scenario? Mm-hmm. And so there's all this stuff building up. And then before she can even try to go to school, she's a housewife. Like She's she's made to stay and take care of Shirley. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it's just, you know, all those things have kind of put her in the state where she's kind of stuck. And Fred's not helping her, you know, and especially... Uh, Shirley's husband is even making it even worse for her. Yeah. Yeah. And you can definitely see, you know, Rose, in essence, throughout the entire movie, as she gets deeper and deeper into this relationship with Shirley, how she kind of becomes this lost girl, um, the same as Paula. And she's, you know, she ends up feeling, I think, anyway, when we see her later and she's you know, thinks, you know, looks like she's getting ready to end her life. And as she goes through the, this trail and she's up on this ledge where could be where maybe Paula jumped, you know, she was missing and they never found her. Could she have jumped from the spot as well? Um, she doesn't seem to really go through with it. Um, and which was kind of confusing because, you know, you see Shirley there standing there without Rose. And it's like, well, is she really there? Is she a figment of her imagination? Did she jump? You know, what you know what really happened there? So that was kind of confusing. Um, but I, I think that it was interesting, this symbiotic, like, relationship that Shirley and, and Paula had. And, you know, they even kind of haunted one another they had this almost romantic relationship kind of starting to form a little bit which i I found interesting um and it 
I just thought they, they kind of like they they alluded to that and then it was over. Like yeah, I felt like that was going to be kind of like okay, here's here's where this story's going. But besides some footsie under the table and you know pushing her foot over on her husband's crotch <laughs> on Fred's crotch. That's about as far as it went. Yeah, which but, which I think that that's kind of normal. I think that, you know, you can go there. I don't know. No one's ever lifted Tiffany's foot <laughs> on my crotch. I'm just saying. <laughs> I can't say I've ever done that either. But, um, <laughs> but I, I feel like, you know, you can have a, a relationship like that with another woman without it being fully sexual. Like you still have like this, you know, weird tension, you know, between. <laughs> between you and it can be kind of playful without being like a woman on woman kind of relationship. I think that that's kind of where, where this one was going. Um, but it was, it was just interesting to see how as Rose was kind of sinking further and further into this role that Shirley wanted her to take on. Cause I feel like she was using Rose as her almost like her muse in a very dark and twisted kind of way to write her book. She needed Rose to become, um, and I keep forgetting this girl's name, Paula, Paula. Yes. I had it in front of me and then I lost it that she needed her to become her so she could get that out because it's, she went in the beginning of the movie. We could see Shirley. She wasn't writing. She seemed to be blocked and, Stanley brought them in, brought this young couple in, and it seemed to help feed Shirley, get her up and writing, and churn her work out. And the further that Rose sunk into this role, Shirley seemed to thrive. Like, she started to kind of come out of her depression a little bit. She was still kind of rude and, and you know, very biting to people, um, but she got out of the house. She went to that party. Um, so it was interesting to see how she... she kind of fed off of her and drew her even deeper and Shirley seemed to then thrive um, off of what was happening. I thought that was kind of interesting as well um, that we got. So the the last scene with her on the ledge looking like she was going to jump off, that kind of made me wonder how much of the stuff going on was just Shirley in her writing and how much was actually real. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, she comes out that one day and she's on the, the swing. And I, I interpreted that as that those two did something together. But was that actually something that happened? Or was that, again, just something that she was doing in her writing or something she was imagining? <laughs> I, I don't think I have the answer to that. There, there were definitely some parts for me that I wasn't quite sure what was real, what was part of the story or, or what was part of someone's imagination. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Because it was kind of like the ending was really weird because, you know, as they're on that edge, they're kind of flashing back and forth of them leaving the house. Mm-hmm. And so, like, to me, I was wondering, like, is is because when Shirley puts her head on Rose, there's a moment where it looks like Rose kind of leans forward like she jumps and then they flash and it's just Shirley on the ledge. And so I was wondering if that was more of her falling out of her life. Mm. And so all of that was just kind of in her head and how she kind of saw all this go through and like I'm trying to figure out like okay what's the the point of her still having the baby as well you know it might made it might have made more sense if we saw or maybe it alluded to that the baby that Rose was taking care of was actually Shirley's baby so it's kind of like her falling out of her life and now she's 
basically has to take care of this child by herself when her husband's not really doing anything to take care of it. I, I don't know. Like, is that is that thinking too deep into it? I, but I no. feel like these are the movies you think way too much into. Yeah. Well, I think it's easy. And I think that maybe they're doing that on purpose, kind of leaving that open to interpretation. Because um, I, I don't think that you're wrong. Because I, I certainly don't have the answer either. But I think that you're on to something with that line of thinking. For sure. I don't know. There, there's a lot in here that you can probably interpret so many different ways. And I don't think any of yeah. them are wrong. <laughs> I guess I don't and know. that's, and I mean, that, that probably what takes it from being more of an auteur, you know, kind of uh, indie film and a more mainstream film is if they had something at the end that kind of maybe gave more of a hint of what was going on mm-hmm. instead of it being just that both couples are the, you know, Rose and Fred leave and they get a house and, you know, she basically says like, I'm not going to be the stay at home Rose anymore. Mm-hmm. And then the final scene is Shirley and Stanley dancing with weird crickets and frogs and train sounds. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, Rose really felt, I think that she had befriended this famous woman who hid in her house so much that, um, no other woman would even talk to her. And like I said, they did, I feel like, develop some sort of romantic feelings, um, or at least Rose did towards Shirley. And I, she, she just had no idea there at the end that Shirley was in on everything that was happening to her. And her and Stan, it seemed like her and Stanley were, you know, using that couple. And I feel like that's how Rose came out of it. Was she felt used um, by Shirley, she felt used by her husband. Her husband was cheating on her, um, using some secret Shakespeare club or something to, you know, mess with young girls while she's at home taking care of, of this, you know, crazy woman, essentially, in this movie anyway, um, who's rude to her and also now taking care of their baby. And she definitely, you know, I feel like she felt like she was betrayed from all sides, which I think that she was and, um, was definitely not the same Rose, um, that we saw at the beginning of the film. I think she kind of became that lost girl that Shirley was writing about. Cause like you said, she, you know, was saying that I'm, you know, I'm not going to be this, this person that you want me to be. Yeah, and I mean, think about, like, I I envision this happening, like, in the mid-40s to maybe early 50s. Um, That's kind of where I put it in my head. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, but yeah, I mean, you look at that, you know, at this time frame for women especially, um, you know, what's she going to be able to do, right? Like, you know, if she divorces her husband, then she's basically going to be ostracized by everybody, which is completely unfair. Mm -hmm. And, or she's going to have to stay with this guy who's probably going to keep cheating on her, which is completely unfair to her as well. You know, the only alternative is, is she just figures out a way to, you know, Stephen King, you know, garden him (laughs) and bury him somewhere and, you know, collect on the insurance. And I think that says a lot for, especially like this time period, you know, where, and I think Shirley probably felt the same and her, and her marriage was trapped you know, what do you do? There wasn't really divorce, you know, in, in those days for, for anything like that. And, and, you know, that wasn't talked about and it was just things that you didn't do. And I think even Shirley with, with how she was, you know, putting up with her, her husband and, you know, 
Stanley had this faith in her um, when she was really fragile. You know, there were some times like she was really just going to lose it completely. And he kept, you know, telling her, uh, you know, about the faith that he had in her and telling her how great she was in her works. But the price that she paid for that was putting up with his affairs um, that he kept having. And I think she felt trapped just as Rose felt trapped as well by the end of, of the film. And it was just really interesting to see how being in that relationship in that house, how much that changed Rose into the person that she um, became, you know, and she's in the beginning and she's smiling and happy. And then you see at the end, how she is just completely changed person and, you know, tells her husband that she will not be that housewife. I guess my early impression of Rose, I felt like she was kind of, on that like teeter, like she was already kind of on that edge mm-hmm. where some, you know, she, something had happened in her past, I think, where, or something that was just there that she just had some issues that were not being fairly looked at, you know, and she gets to this point where, you know, she gets in an environment that amplifies all that. And I think she changes, but I don't know if she changes. I, th- like, I don't get the impression at the end of this that, she's changed to a like a strong person who's like fred i'm not putting up with your shit anymore yeah i feel like she's just basically like listen i'm not doing this more but i don't know what else i'm going to do kind of thing like i didn't didn't feel like yes you go rose like you tell your man how it's gonna be it was more like i i don't know what's gonna happen with this couple and especially rose Mm -hmm. maybe being away from this family is gonna be good for him but i this wasn't a happy ending, I guess, is the best way I can say it. I would agree. I don't really think it was a happy... Well, Stanley and Shirley looked pleased with themselves, for sure, <laughs> over tormenting this couple and, and you know, kind of draining them of all life, you know, it seems. Um, but for Rose and Fred, I don't think it was a happy ending at all. I, I think that she has been to this dark place and has just become a darker person because of it. I definitely don't think that, yeah, it's not like she's come out of this, you know, and risen above and become a stronger person. She definitely almost seems, you know, a little bit more fragile because of what happened to her. Yeah, I feel like Shirley and Stanley, they remind me of my little dog who goes outside (laughs) and will bark at all corners of our fence to get every single dog riled up. And be like, okay, now I feel better about myself and come inside. That's a really good analogy. (laughs) Like they've basically, they're like, okay, we've made some people as miserable, if not more miserable than us. We feel better about ourselves. You know what? Maybe that's more Stanley than Shirley. I think Shirley's probably not, not as bad as Stanley, but I'm not pro Stanley either way. Right, right. They were both not great characters. You know, um, as far as as far as those two and they definitely fed off of each other and they fed off of Fred and Rose. They were kind of like emotional vampires, it seems. Like yes. Were, oh, that's a great way to put yeah, it. Kind of feeding off of them and sucking the life out of them. And, you know, like I said, they seemed pretty, you know, happy with with themselves. So what they what they did and tor- you know tormenting this couple and it seems like it, it had almost been done like this was not the first time they did that um mm-hmm. so well, they had some other lady that left because mm-hmm. of they, they seemed like that was some like sketchy excuse but right i mean like i don't i don't they 
she had a baby that was maybe a year old. So they'd been living there, like, let's say, like, nine, ten months or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, Stanley gives me creepy vibes to begin with. He's got that creepy, like, uh, you know, professor thing going. Like, the, <laughs> the creepy older dad. Uh, the creepy, you know, like, he comes up and, like, starts hugging on Rose while she's doing dishes. And then they do that little dance and he kisses her on the mouth, which, I mean, I guess in this time, maybe that was more common. I don't know. But it's like, I, I'm just... Ugh. That that was a lingering kiss though. That gave me the yeah. creeps too. I was like, man, that you you hung on to that one just a little too long there, my friend. It's you know I've yeah. seen when um, people that know each other get excited and even male female you know that aren't a couple. I've seen very exuberantly just give you know oh so happy to see each other. Haven't seen each other in a long time. Give a you know big smack on the lips you know and um, but it's it's a it's a quick little kiss and uh, of affection not quite you know love or anything but just a, you know affection for a friend but that was quite a lingering different yeah, type of that, kiss at least in my opinion oh, <laughs> made my stomach turn a little not gonna lie yeah i was like you you creep you're out there screwing around on your wife and you know she she knows but she doesn't approve she's not okay with it and you know you're getting these phone calls at dinner time and so, yeah, he was he was not like one of my favorite characters either. So a lot of um, not not very neat. No one I feel like came out on top at all no. in this. So I don't know. Just very interesting take. Again, um, I feel like now I need to go read some more a little bit about Shirley Jackson and learn a little bit more about her life. I read a little bit about her and was learning the differences between. Um, how they portrayed her here in the movie and how she was in real life. And now I would really love to go and, and read um, the lottery that they talked about here. That was yeah. what Rose was really infatuated with and, you know, really love that story. It sounds pretty dark, but, you know, that Shirley Jackson gets credited as a, a, a horror novelist because I think she's more well known for like Haunting of Hill House, but she my understanding is that she that's not really all that she wrote you know she had you know many short stories and novellas and other novels and things that she wrote and there were some that were actually fairly light so um i'd be interested to kind of go and, and look at her work a little a little deeper and um i think that she had kind of some themes that she ran into i feel like this movie you know she kind of always had this gothic kind of theme that she was kind of known for and I, this they, I think they kind of did a good job of kind of, you know, like this movie could have been a Shirley Jackson story is kind of. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Good, <laughs> yeah. good point. So I think, I, know, I think they did a good job with that anyway. When we did Hill House, I wanted to go back and read that book, mm -hmm. uh, which I think it's a novella. I don't know if it's an actual novel. Uh, no, this is a novel. Okay. I always get like novel and novella. Like I feel like, again, <laughs> it's just like a fancy word for like it's a short book. Right. Yeah. Um. Again, I live in the Midwest, so sue me. Uh, <laughs> Same. <laughs> I say crick. Leave me alone. Yes. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, I like the lottery sounds like a super interesting story. And there, there's something to be said, especially like, I, I don't know if it'd be this time would be different or during this time. But for somebody to write like a book or a story about these kinds of things that you you just basically have no Fs. You're just like, I'm going to write this and put it out there. Yeah, it's creepy as hell, but it's in my head, so I'm getting it out. Yep. Uh, the scene where she's sitting with that, I think it was the dean maybe, and he was talking about reading her story. And he's like, uh, you know, just like it was weird, and I like envisioned myself grabbing my paperweight and smashing myself in the head. <laughs> and it's like, who does that? And it's just like, it's like to bring out like weird thoughts like that. Like 
That's why we watch Eli Roth movies. That's why we watch horror movies. Like they're just weird things that are like, how did somebody think of this? Yeah. And that, and she was kind of one of the, uh, the trailblazers for that for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I'm definitely interested in, in kind of getting to know her work a little bit more than, than what we've seen so far and to kind of learn a little bit more about her life instead of just this, since it was like a piece of fiction, there were, I think pieces taken from her life and there was a period of her life, um, that this was taken from, but maybe in a different time period than what was in this movie but other than that you know rose and fred were not real people and as far as i know shirley jackson and her husband stanley did not bring people into their house and feed off of them in this type of manner you know so but it was an interesting story to say the least so um did you have anything else that you wanted to say or do you have any notes uh no i mean it like i said it was very chaotic in watching it but uh i don't hate that you know it's Mm -hmm. definitely again I like that it's not a typical three act structure type of movie. I think getting some of those every now and then helps spice it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't say I love the movie. I maybe say I slightly enjoyed it, uh, but it was just something different. Yeah. Uh, and would I suggest somebody going and watching it? I mean, I'd give it a shot. Uh, but yeah, I'd say I think it was worth watching. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that I watched it. Um for sure. But it was definitely not quite what I was expecting. And sometimes that's a good thing. And sometimes it's not a great thing. Um, but, you know, I think that if, if, you know, you're, you're interested in movies like this and those interesting, you know, thrillers and kind of psychological movies, then this would definitely, I think, be, be for you. So, well, that was great. Um, we did get one, listener feedback um for the movie and that's from our good friend Paik and he says um very unique film indeed um it's a biopic in a way about Shirley Jackson uh which I wish I knew more about he says but also makes you feel very uneasy and creeped out never quite sure what's going to happen just like you're living Uh, one of her works. I do remember reading The Lottery back when I was younger, and I like the way Rose described it as making her feel thrillingly awful. Pretty spot on. Oh, interesting. Paik read The Lottery. I'll have to ask him a little bit more about that without being too spoilery. Yeah, it sounds like it's a short story, so I would imagine, Mm -hmm. I guess, I think a short story is anything under 100 pages, right? Or 50 pages, so that's still pretty long. Yeah, that's not too bad. That's interesting. Thank you, Paik, for writing in. Well, I think everyone's going to be pretty thrilled um, to, to hear from you. I know folks were really surprised um, to, to hear that you were coming back. So, um, Sean, most of all, thank you, my friend, for coming yeah. back. For Thanks for inviting me back. Uh, <laughs> the, the warden said that I could probably do this every six months. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure you told everybody I was arrested, right? Well, I was trying to keep that on the DL. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think of something like not horrible to be arrested for now, and nothing's coming up. I wasn't arrested. It was a bad joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you were not arrested. Sean has been just going on with life and taking care of his family and spending time with his family, um, as he said that he he wanted to do. So I'm again uh, thankful that you agreed to come on. You know, I I look forward to finding something hopefully a little bit more um um interesting for you so that way you know when i you know we can have something you know a little more fun maybe to talk about this one was pretty 
darn dark and maybe not yeah. up everyone's alley. So we'll have to find, you know, I did read, I, I was going to send it to you, but I was like, I know Sean has already seen this. You know, they're um, doing a remake or reboot of Teenage Mutant Ninja, Ninja Turtles. You saw that, right? I did hear about that. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, got Seth Rogen and uh, his buddy, uh, what's his name? Goldberg? Goldberg? The guy he does a bunch of stuff with mm-hmm. him. Those two guys are going to be at the writing it and stuff, which I mean, those guys, I think if they care about the product, they're going to do a good job. So that makes me excited. Yeah. Yeah. I thought had a feeling that you might might enjoy that. So who knows? Um, but yeah, thank, thank you again for coming on. This was a lot of fun. It's been an absolute joy having you back. And I appreciate you taking the time to do it because I know you are a busy guy. Um, no problem. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, and I know you're, I don't know if you've been plugging or not on this, but make sure you guys go out to podcast awards and vote for strange. Indeed. I want to, next time I come on here, I want to see a trophy in the back of Rima's room for TV and film best podcast, strange. Indeed. So podcastawards.com. You can nominate now through the end of July. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. I actually have. Um, you were really awesome. You and Richard both on Language of Romance gave um, Strange Indeed a nice shout out. Well, in the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Stranger TCast. You can check us out on Instagram at Strange underscore Indeed underscore pod. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. You can find Strange Indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts at podcastica.com. Go out and leave a review for Strange Indeed on Apple Podcasts. Speaking of great podcasts, what have you and Richard been up to on Language of Romance? Oh, we've been doing so many fun things. Uh, (laughs) So 4th of July just happened. So we did a retro bromance review of the great movie Will Smith Independence Day. Nice. Uh, We just celebrated our six-year broniversary. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Uh, If you guys are curious about our show, uh, we basically drafted our favorite language of bromance episodes. So kind of a uh, back padding episode, but it was a lot of fun to go back and listen to episodes from like five years ago. Oh, that's awesome. Well, everyone needs to go check that out then. That that's certainly those episodes are always so much fun to go back and listen to. And and probably a surprise because you kind of forget. I mean, five years, that's a long time. And then you go back and you listen, and you're like, holy crap. <laughs> listen, yeah. listen to all those. <laughs> yeah, I think we're at three hundred and sixteen episodes now. That's awesome. Something like that. It's a bunch. That's amazing. Well, we're glad you guys are still going strong. All right. Well, that's our show. Thanks for listening, everyone. Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Daphne Backman is strange indeed. Perfect.